We're on week three, week three of getting on track. And I have to say overall, I would say we're doing a pretty good job as a parish family getting on track here during Lent. Week one, two weeks ago now, removing obstacles. And I would say pretty much everyone was on, this, on board together on the same page, looking at our lives and saying, you know what, there's things there now that are on, tra- on my track. I'm noticing the clutter, the debris, the obstacles that are keeping me from him, that are keeping me from the, being the man, the woman that I know I long to be, that I want to be, that God wants me to be. And then last week, prayer and silence. There are no shortcuts. The path is laid out before us that in order for us to reach our end, to be glorified, we need silence and prayer. Most, most of us, if not everyone here last weekend, I think on board with that. Two weekends ago, there were very few people that left the church not doing what I asked them to do. And that was removing obstacles to place on that, on that wall or on that car that put out, you know, wrote on that little square and we put on that wall. We pretty much ran out of room on that board. Last week, very few people left the church not doing what I asked to do. And that was to pick up a book, Beginner, pr- Prayer for Beginners. We ran out of books. We had to buy new books. There were people all week saying, Father Mark, I already read the book. The book's going around the family. Everyone's reading the book. Carving out time for prayer prayer and silence. This week, though, I'm afraid it's going to be different. I hope it's not, but I think it will be. The thing that I'm going to ask you to do this week a good chunk of you will not do. And what that is in a minute. Broken down, being repaired, and making it happen. So first broken down, that's what we're doing. That's what we're that's that's our theme this week is being being broken down. We can be doing everything right. I've removed the obstacles. Like I've I've reignited my prayer life, but like I'm noticing I'm not moving on the track as I thought I would be, or I'm not making the progress that I thought I would be. Or maybe for some of us, even like, I'm not moving on the track at all. So it's similar, similar to, we we drew the analogy week one with regards to exercising. Like you could be, you could be for six months working like a dog, going to the gym three, four, five days a week. And and just not making the gains that you thought, not making, not having the results that you thought. It's like looking around, it's like something's not right here. Something's broken down. I got to look to see, okay, yeah, it's the diet. The diet hasn't changed. That's why I'm not making any progress. The results that I thought I would be. The spiritual life is no different. The point of getting on track here for us is to experience spiritual growth in our lives. That, that, that's, that's, the, that's the goal of all of life, is to continue to, to deepen our relationship with Christ, to come into more and more conformity with him. And of course, these 40 days of Lent is to grow in our spiritual life. And yet it can be the case, it can be the case that if the spiritual growth is not happening, it's because something's broken down. I'm not moving on the track because something's off. If we have unrepentant sin, we cannot move along on the track. 
especially grave sin. First John chapter five makes a distinguish between deadly sin and then sin that's not deadly. If we have grave sin or mortal sin, we are broken down. We can't move and progress on the track if we have unrepentant sin. That's what, that's what our reading's about this weekend. We're in Luke chapter 13 and you have the owner of the vineyard that's coming in verse seven that says, for three years now I've come in search of fruit on this fig tree, but have found none. So cut it down. What does a fig, a fig tree do? A fig tree produces fruit. And if it's not producing fruit, as the landowners for three years now is going by and saying, something's wrong with it. The tree's broken. It's, it's not working. It's not doing what it's supposed to do. Cut it down. Sinfulness is, is part of the human condition. And because, the, because of the fall, what it is is that we, we, we lose our right relationship with God. And so the message here from, from the Lord today is to repent. We lose our relationship with God. We become broken down. But of course, Christ offers a way to repair, which brings us here to being repaired. I want to, with that, I want to recall a few years ago when I was on a flight, usually I wear my clerics wherever I go, even flying. And this particular time I was not wearing my clerics. I wasn't wearing my collar as I was going somewhere on vacation and I was walking down the aisle and I had the dreaded middle seat and I'm noticing that. Get there, get the man in the window. I sit down, we exchange pleasantries, we buckle up and by the time kind of get off on the air, he finally asked me what I do and I told him I'm a Catholic priest and he turns and just stares at me. And at that point, when he was staring at me, I had fun imagining what goes through a mind, what goes through the mind of someone who realizes, realizes they have to spend the next three hours sitting next to a priest. <laughs> and as he continued just to stare at me, I had even more fun realizing what goes through someone, goes through someone's mind when they realize they have to spend the next three hours sitting next to a priest and they've got nowhere to run. <laughs> Unless, of course, they want to jump 35,000 feet. And by the way, he looked at me and then looked outside the window. I think he considered it. But then after talking, his walls just came crashing down. And he shared with me that he knows he has failed as a husband, that he's failed as a father, and that he knows with the things and the mistakes that he's made in his past, and the current habits that he currently has, that he knows that if that plane went down, he said he'd be afraid of what would happen. And I turned and to him with his head down. I said, how would you like to walk off this plane a new man? How would you like to walk off this plan with a brand new start, with a second chance? And he said, boy, would I like that. I said, would you like me to hear your confession? And he said, what, here, now, on the plane? I said, yeah, here, now, on the plane. And he proceeded to whisper into my ear the things that have haunted him, that have chased him, that have caused him pain and caused him not to be free over the course of the last number of decades. 
the things that have caused him to be broken down, to not progress in the spiritual life, to be stuck. And see, that man that day walked off that plane a new man. He walked off the plane that day with the things in his past that haunted him, that chased him, the things that kept him broken. He walked off that man, off that plane, a repaired man because of what it is that Jesus had done for him at that moment on that plane. And he knew it. He was convinced of it. He felt the power. I think oftentimes we underestimate, we underestimate the effects of sin, especially grave sin, unrepentant grave sin. We underestimate the effects of it. It causes us to be broken down and not be able to experience spiritual progress in our life and spiritual growth. And so that is why the thing that I'm asking you to do this week is to go to confession. Studies will indicate, or studies have indicated, but I hope it's different here, that many, many people, many Catholics, most Catholics do not go to confession. That's been my experience the last five years as a priest. That's my experience here at this church with the line for confessionals, which is not that long. It needs to be longer. If there are intellectual reasons on why you, that keeps you from confession, those are, those, are good, those are good questions to be had. We don't have time to get into that right now, but there are intellectual answers. If you go on the website and press and look for it, it says getting on track, you go on there, I've got two videos on there to help intellectual, those intellectual questions and provide those intellectual answers to why it is that Catholics go to confession. Other two reasons maybe is that people, I think two reasons. One is people think they're two biggest sinners. And others is people think that they're not sinners or said another way, people don't go to confession because of fear or pride. As we heard in St. Paul in our second reading here today, talking about be careful to think that you're not able to fall. Or in 1 John chapter 3, verse 8, it says that those who think they are without sin deceive themselves. Nobody, nobody here is without sin. And I think it's important as we look with making it happen, as we look with making it happen this Wednesday, we'll have confessions. Multiple priests will be here at six o'clock in the evening. I will continue to be here till nine o'clock or until the last confession is heard. Next Sunday, we'll hear confessions before mass begins. And in order for maybe if there is some fear to make it happen, us going to confession, I want to real quick, just to alleviate those fears, by again, just talking about confession, by saying that we need to prepare. A good confession, one prepares. Again, on, that web, on the website, it says getting on track. You click on that, there's examination of consciences, some for teens, for adults, to run through that. You cannot make a good confession if you're not prepared. A lot of times it'll be, bless me, Father, for I've sinned. Maybe it's been 20 years since my last confession. I struggle with patience. And then that's it. I'll ask a simple question oftentimes. Have you ever missed mass? Oh yeah, of course. Well, you can't find an examination of conscience that does not have that on there. It's, it's important for us to go to church on Sunday.
the beginning. Bless me, Father, for I... And then just tell the priest how long it's been since your last confession. If it's been 10 years or 12, 12 years, that doesn't, that doesn't matter the difference. Just roughly 10, 20, 30, 40 years, Father, since my last confession. The beginning. Bless me, Father, for I have sinned. If you forget the formula, it doesn't matter. Just come and tell the priest, I don't know. It's been a long time. I forget. Okay, how long has it been since your last confession? Kind in number. The church asks us to confess in kind in number. This is important. Paragraph 1456 says this. When Christ's faithful strive to confess all the sins that they can remember, they undoubtedly place all of them before the divine mercy for pardon. Father, it's been, it's been 40 years since my last confession. I can't possibly name all the... As long as you're trying to... As long as you're not knowingly withholding some, which is the next thing, says, but those who fail to do so and knowingly withhold some place nothing before the divine goodness for remission through the mediation of the priest. For if the sick person is too ashamed to show his wound to the doctor, the medicine cannot heal what it, what it does not know. So if there's something there, it's like, I'm, not, I'm withholding this because I don't really want to say it. It causes too much shame. It causes... It would, you've got to, that is to say, to hold, withhold nothing from him, to bring it all to him. And as long as I'm given my best attempt, when I go to confession, to give him those things, and I'm not knowingly withholding everything, everything is wiped away, and you are made brand new. What was broken is repaired. Kind in number couple things that confession is not. A confession is not a place of petition. So it's not, bless me, Father, I, I struggle with charity. I struggle with, um, or no, I'm sorry. Bless me, Father, for I have sinned. I need to be more patient or I need more charity. That's just a petition. Rather, it's, I've, con I've committed the sin of X, Y, Z. And also, confession is not a place to tell the priest other people's sins, right? I think if, if that was stopped, the time of confessions would be cut in half. <laughs> if, if we didn't hear the, the, your spouse's sins, we don't need to hear your spouse's sins, just your sins. And we don't need the backstory. We, the priest just wants to absolve you. You can just name your sins. And then of course is the act of contrition. If you don't have that memorized or you forgot it, that's okay. You can bring it with you and read it. If you if, or, or you can just say, Father, Father, I, I, don't, I don't remember what it is. I don't know the act of contrition. I will just say, repeat after me. Lord Jesus, have mercy on me, a sinner. And you'll repeat, Lord Jesus, have mercy on me, a sinner. There's your act of contrition. And then the priest will give you absolution. God is the only one that can forgive sins. But he has given us through Jesus through apostolic succession, the priests to administer the sacrament. And you will hear those words, I absolve you from your sins. Go in peace. And maybe just to close here, with regards to, someone once told me, he says, Father Mark, it's not that I have fear on what to do when I go to confession. That's not the fear. The fear is that I'm just going to, after I confess it, I'm just going to commit the same sin over and over and over again. That's just an opportunity for the Lord to forgive over and over and over again. As the Lord says here in verse 8 in this parable, he says, Sir, 
the, the, the landowner comes and says, this fig tree is not producing any fruit. Who steps in? The gardener, who is Jesus, and says, sir, leave it for this year also. Just leave it. Let it go one more year. Give him one more chance. I'll show, I shall cultivate the ground around it and fertilize it so that it will bear fruit in the future. The Lord steps in and says, just wait, be patient. So go to confession, get on track, go from being broken down and not making progress in the spiritual life to being repaired.